We are. We are. We are cultivate. 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 We are cultivate. Hello and welcome to Yield Crime, where we discuss the funny, strange, and obscure crimes of yesteryear. I'm your host, Lindsay Valenti, and with me is my sister and co-host, Maddie Stangle. Hello. Hi. How's it going? It's going. Before we get started, I want to send a special thank you to Dan from Focus Right and Asa. As mm-hmm. Madison was one of the winners of the Vocaster Woo-hoo! 2 studio packs that they were giving yeah, away during the Amplify course. Mm-hmm. Which was a great course. Also, thank you. Thank you to Dan for participating in that. That was very nice. Yep. And in speaking to Dan, he offered to send us another Vocaster mic so that we each had one, which is mm-hmm. amazing. And I think part of it had to do with the fact that we're both from Minnesota. And he was (laughs) like, I got you, fam. So we both next week are going to have beautiful new equipment. And our audio is going to be so good. You're going to think we're sitting right next to you. Right. It's not it's definitely not going to sound like I'm still in a tent. (laughs) Or a closet. (laughs) Or or a tent inside a closet. <laughs> a tent inside a closet inside a garage where a Jeep is. So thank you so much. We are very mm-hmm. appreciative of both Dan and Asa for this amazing gift. Yes. I'm very excited. It is very sexy. I will say that. I know. All right. You ready? I am. Okay. So this week's topic is Margaret Barclay. Ooh, okay. And information was pulled from the following sources. A 2021 The Scotsman article by Brian Ferguson. 2020 Air Advertiser article by Gianni Marini. 2019 The Scotsman article by Claire McKim. 2018 Irvine Times article by Lisa Hodge. 2016 Irvine Scotland article, the survey of Scottish witchcraft database. Sorry, Wikipedia. This week you failed me. And links to all of these articles will be included in the show notes. Got something you want to say? Shoot us an email over at yieldcrimepodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your story ideas, see any gifts you send our way, or if you just want to say hello. We're pretty friendly. Speaking of friendly... If you'd like to have real-time conversations with us, consider joining our Discord over at the Cultivate Network. You can chat with us over at the Old Crimers Cubby or catch up with any of the other great creators that are part of the Cultivate family of podcasts. Just click the link in our show notes or over on our link tree to get started today. Awesome. Amazing. All right. It is week four of Wicked Mock Madness. Mm-hmm. And we're going to continue our witchy world tour by traveling this week to Scotland, to the town of Irvine in North Ayrshire, which is 26 miles south of the capital of Glasgow. Irvine's harbor became a major seaport on the western coast of the country. 
Nice. So they got lots of trade. All the trade. They be trading. <laughs> the most notorious witch trial to take place in Ayrshire was conducted in 1618, leading to the deaths of four people. Mm. Margaret Barclay, who was at the center of this trial, lived in Irvine, Renfrewshire, with her husband, Archibald Dean, who held the title of Burgess and was a respected member of the community. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to say he was a pillar because pillar is bad. Whenever somebody (laughs) says someone's a pillar of the community, he was a legit respected member of the community. People liked him. He was well liked. The couple lived in either Bridgegate, Townhead, or High Street along with their child. Like they're all kind of in like the same area. So it was kind of Margaret was known for having a passionate disposition and fiery temper. Which didn't do her any favors. Yeah. Normally if you're labeled as fiery, especially during that time, that was like a bless your heart Mm -hmm. kind of a nice insult if there is such a thing. Backhanded compliment. Yeah. Fiery. In 1618, Margaret got into an argument with her in-laws over an alleged theft. The case was brought before the church court as Margaret accused her sister-in-law of slander. They were ordered to reconcile and shake hands before the court, which Margaret did only to appease the court. Oh, I'm sure. She still very much did not like her sister-in-law. Did she do the thing where, like, you put your middle finger in the handshake to make it weird and slimy and, like, gross? (laughs) I'm going to picture that she did. It's just like a little like gotcha type of thing. Right. Additionally, Margaret was accused of putting a curse upon her sister-in-law, Janet Dean, as well as Archibald's brother, John Dean. So she just didn't like him all around. Yeah. This probably wouldn't have amounted to much of anything had she not also supposedly cursed a cargo ship. An entire ship? Why? Why? Why, you might ask? Yeah, I did. (laughs) You did. (laughs) Well, this specific ship, known as the Gift of God, belonged to her brother-in-law, John Dean. And unfortunately for Margaret, the ship was recorded as lost at sea when it wrecked off the Cornish coast with John aboard. The bulk of its passengers drowning including Provost Andrew Tran, who was on board to oversee the voyage. So a provost in Scotland is a title similar to what we would call a mayor, and they were the civic heads of the local government. Got it. Yeah, because I was thinking of, like, the collegiate provost. According to an account written by Sir Walter Scott, quote, Margaret Barclay, the revengeful person already mentioned, (laughs) was heard to imprecate curses upon the provost Argosy, praying to God that sea nor salt water might never bear the ship and that partons, or crabs, might eat the crew at the bottom of the sea, end quote. Dang. Maybe if she didn't add that last part, she'd be okay, but... Yeah, yeah. You can't say that in public because somebody's family member or loved one was probably on that ship. 
Yep. And especially when, like, you know, the mayor is going to be on the ship. Yeah. Maybe don't say how you wish harm and continual mutilation. Yeah. Yeah. Janet had been alerted to the sinking of the vessel by John Stewart, a vagabond. And not long after, two seamen confirmed the news that the ship had wrecked near Padstow and that all but the pair of them had been lost. So only two Dang. survivors. That's, I mean, two survivors is awesome, but yeah. that's horrific. Yeah. Following the death of her husband at sea, Janet reported Margaret to the authorities and accused her of being the leader of a coven of witches. She also accused John Stewart who seemed to know the fate of her husband's ship before it would have been possible to do so. Ooh, that's not good. Because he told her the ship had sunk and her husband was dead well before the two survivors came to tell her. That's not good. Mm -mm. Keep that to yourself, sir. Yeah. Even if you know, don't. <laughs> yeah, probably not best to do it. Margaret was forced to name a co-conspirator because it was believed that witches didn't work individually. Huh, okay. It's not a singular sport. I guess not. <laughs> Margaret found herself being questioned using what they like to call the gentle torture. Uh, that seems like an oxymoron. What that really means is that her bare legs would be put in the stocks before iron bars would be placed on her shins until a confession was forced out of her. So they just shattered her shits. They would just continue. It's kind of like the pressing by rocks. They would just continue mm. to place iron bars on her legs until she eventually was like, I yield, I will confess. Wow. That's horrific. Mm -hmm. You know, gentle torture. Gentle torture. <laughs> brought to you by the same <laughs> like monsters that brought you torture. Mm -hmm. regular torture this one's, this one's cool for kids <laughs> this one's for the ladies women and children gentle torture yeah the first to be named was a young girl named isabel sharer crawford and i include both last names because in some places it was just sharar and other places it was crawford and it was like evenly divided mm. between the two i wonder if one of the families was trying to like distance themselves potentially or if it's like, and use like a, I don't, I don't know, main name, maybe. Mm -hmm. Isabel was also forced to endure rounds of the gentle torture, and it's <sighs> noted that Isabel was stronger than she looked, enduring having thirty stone, or wait for it, four hundred and twenty pounds of iron laid upon her legs while in the stocks. Oh my gosh. How old was she? Do we know? I don't have an exact age, but I'm thinking she was like a teenager. That's insane. It was only when the bars were moved to other parts of her legs that she agreed to confess. Wow. Legs of steel has a whole new meaning now. No shit. Titanium legs. Yeah. Million dollar man who? Yeah. <laughs> What's that really strong metal that a lot of men's wedding rings are made? Tungsten. She's got tungsten mm -hmm. thighs. I guess. Holy smokes. 
The confessions that Margaret and Isabel released were that they burnt an effigy of the ship and consorted with the devil, who appeared to them in the shape of a small black dog. Oh, cute. <laughs> was, he a little, was he a little Scotty dog? <laughs> That's what I was picturing. I was like, oh, a little Scotty dog. Wearing a little like, hat. With like little red eyes. Like a snake tongue. He was like, woof. <laughs> I'm I mean, a devil. I'd pet it. I would too. The first of the supposed witches to perish was an elderly widow named Isabel Inch or Inch or Taylor. Like she had three, again, three different names mm -hmm. who was the third to be accused. Her eight-year-old daughter, Margaret Tailzor, who lived as a servant for Margaret Barclay, gave evidence against her. Oh, no. This is another situation where a small child was relevant in court. Yes. Gross. Her daughter, who took care of Margaret Barclay's infant, stated that she had been present when the clay effigies had been made and thrown into the water. She also stated that another woman and a 14-year-old girl were also present at the time. Okay, I'm sorry. An eight-year-old what? An eight-year-old was taking care of an infant? Yep. I thought that was crazy too. I was like, I'm I sorry. <laughs> I almost, I almost missed the rest of what you said because I was like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Record scratch. I'm sorry. Yeah. I mean, like assisting, sure, but like full blown taking care of. Yeah, I that don't seems know. Like a lot. I mean, she was a servant for her, so I don't know if it was something where she just, like you said, assisted in taking care of the child, or maybe like watched her while Margaret was doing something else yeah. I, I can't picture her being the full-time caregiver of an infant but yeah. different times i don't know you know <laughs> i i i don't know yeah okay i just know i couldn't picture my eight-year-old taking care of an infant but i digress right most eight-year-old taking care of most living things all by themselves hence me having a pet that i take care of <laughs> That's technically hers. <laughs> yeah. But salamanders are a little bit different from babies. Anyway, okay. young Margaret stated that the black dog emitted flashes from its jaws and nostrils to allow the women to be able to see in order to perform their spells. That's incredible. I know. It's like... It's a robotic Scotty dog. Like, I kind of want this dog. Even I know. though it's the devil. <laughs> Where can I get one of these devil dogs? Right. And what kind of batteries does it take? Incredible. She shared that her mother had stayed back at the waste house and had not taken part in throwing the effigies into the water. In order to secure her secrecy, she stated that her mistress had promised her a new pair of shoes. I bet that would be really appealing, especially yeah. if you were a servant. Mm -hmm. I'd do it. You're eight. I mean, shoes are like a luxury item. So yeah. unlike the others, Isabel was locked in the church belfry of the old Kirk until she made a confession after enduring several days of interrogations. Hopefully not gentle torture. I really hope she didn't get gentle torture. I'm assuming that's what it was because I didn't hear of any other type of interrogation methods. So I'm assuming it was gentle torture. Oh. 
She's eight. No, this is the old woman. This is her oh. the mother. Oh, well, then they definitely did it. You're right. Yeah, yeah. Shoot. She promised Bailey Dunlop, who was also a mariner by trade, that if he dismissed her case, he would never have a bad voyage and would have great success in all of his dealings, both on land and by sea. She also agreed to give a full confession the following day. The night before she was scheduled to do so, she made an attempt to escape, but fell from the belfry and sustained horrific injuries that resulted in her passing away five days later. Wow. That's an, a horrific twist. So for people who don't know what a belfry is, that's where the bell is kept in a church. So mm-hmm. like, picture somebody falling from where the bell is in a church to the ground. And that's what happened to her. And she survived it just long enough to die a horribly long death. It gets worse. Despite the agony she was no doubt enduring from her fatal injuries, she was also forced to endure the added injustice of further torture as they tried to force a confession from her before she died. She maintained her innocence until her last breath. Wow. Yeah. John Stewart, who in addition to being a vagabond, was also a juggler, <laughs> which is a fun fact. Right, there you go. Was locked up inside the toll booth, which is now the Irvine townhouse. Whether it was gotten through straight confession or coerced due to torture, John claimed that prior to visiting her sister-in-law, Janet, he had traveled to Margaret's house at night, where he found her and two other women making the clay figures. One of the figures in question was said to bear a striking resemblance to Provost Tran. Oh, that's not good. The women also supposedly went to make a clay figure of a ship during which time the devil appeared in their company in the form of a small black dog. After the ship had been finished, all in the party had gone down to an empty waste house by the seaport, which he pointed out to the authorities following his confession. So he like actually took them to the place. where He was like, this is where it was. Yes. This is where they did the thing. Yep. And that's also the place where the elder Isabel stayed while the others supposedly threw the things into the water so she didn't mm-hmm. go to the water the party proceeded to the seaside where they cast the clay ship and the effigies of the men into the water after which quote the sea raged roared and became red like the juice of matter in a dyer's cauldron end quote yeah okay John spent weeks tied up in the toll booth before he was able to convince Reverend David Dixon to free his hands, just so he could have some small form of relief for a short time. John said to the Reverend, quote, I am so strictly guarded that it lies not in my power to get my hand to take off my bonnet, nor to get bread to my mouth, end quote. Before he could be bound again, John used the loosing of his shackles to his advantage 
when he completed suicide by hanging himself with a piece of hemp that he used to tie his bonnet. Uh, I mean, he was likely going to be hung anyway, right? Yeah. Probably didn't see a way out. No. And I don't know if there was. There probably was not, if we're being honest. Yeah. Margaret was put on trial on June 2nd, 1618, following her arrest on the charges of malfeasium, and was tried by the Privy Council. Her husband, Alexander, appeared in court with a lawyer to aid in her cause. Some of the most incriminating evidence that Margaret was, in fact, a witch was the fact that she was known to carry a piece of rowan tree and a colored thread, which she said she used to make her cow give milk when it failed. Okay. So I don't know if she, like, hit the cow or I don't know what she was... Yeah. What she did with it. <laughs> Tickle it. <laughs> Tickled it with... Milk. <laughs> milk, milk. <laughs> Regardless of the fact that the court now had a recorded confession, Margaret pled, quote... All I have confessed was an agony of torture, and before God, all I have spoken is false and untrue. Ye have been too long in coming. End quote. Mm. Margaret was found guilty and sentenced to death by strangulation before being burnt at the stake. Awful. The day of her execution, Margaret was paraded through town to Springfield, or what is now known as Malcolm Gardens. There she was strangled at the stake before she was burnt to ash on June 2nd, 1618. So that same day. Wow. Strangled at the stake, that, uh, that to me means somebody physically strangled her to death. Yes, she was physically strangled to death. Oh my god. The Barclay trial is likely well remembered thanks in part to Sir Walter Scott's 1830 account of it in which he stated, quote, It is scarce possible that, after reading such a story, a man of sense can listen for an instant to the evidence founded on confessions thus obtained, which has been almost the sole reason by which a few individuals, even in modern times, have endeavored to justify a belief in the existence of witchcraft, end quote. Yeah. In 2021, Q.C. Claire Mitchell launched a campaign to obtain an official pardon for everyone who had been persecuted under the Witchcraft Act in Scotland. Clare noted that the confessions of the accused were, quote, routinely obtained by torture, both physical and mental, end quote. In her own words, Clare states, quote, not only is history not properly recording what positive things women do, but their history is also erased by not properly recording their story. I have a particular interest in Scottish legal history and the people who were caught up in accusations of witchcraft. So I decided to start a campaign to restore these people, mostly women, to their correct place in history as women and men, not witches. Between 1563 and 1736, when the Witchcraft Act was law, there were four relatively defined periods of quote-unquote satanic panic which resulted in approximately just shy of 4,000 people being accused as witches. Jeez. As with elsewhere in Europe, the vast majority of those accused, some 85%, were women, end quote. 
In fact, Scotland had five times as many cases of witchcraft than anywhere else in Europe. Of those 4,000 that were named as being accused, about 2,500 were executed via strangulation and burning at the stake between 1563 and 1736. That's crazy. And that is the story of Margaret Barclay and her trial. Dang. That's a really sad one. Mm-hmm. The other Isabel, the one who was able to withstand a lot of the gentle torture, she mm-hmm. was also strangled and burnt at the stake following Margaret. What happened to the eight-year-old? She was the daughter of the one who fell from the mm-hmm. belfry. Yeah. I'm assuming she got taken care of by somebody because she didn't participate and confess to yeah. seeing it or was a witness. She was just a witness. She didn't take part in any of the witchcraft stuff. So Okay. I'm assuming Ugh. because she was eight that she was, you know, just passed off to family. It's awful. If you're interested in ad-free content, consider supporting us with a one-time donation either over on Buy Me a Coffee or our Venmo page, both of which are in our link tree and in the show notes. If you'd like early ad-free content, not to mention some bonus material, Become a member of our Patreon today for as low as a dollar a month. Hey listeners, Nikki Young here, host of the international true crime podcast, Serial Napper. If you like listening to true crime stories while you're falling asleep, you're going to love Serial Napper. Each week, I feature a different true crime story from somewhere around the world, told succinctly the way that it happened. Just the facts, ma'am. I like to cover a lot of unsolved true crime cases that don't get the media attention that they deserve. Then, at the end of each month, I host an online true crime Zoom chat where we go through the cases that I've covered and talk about the details, the key players, suspects, theories, and any recent developments. It's a chance to take your true crime listening experience up a notch and chat with other true crime followers just like you. We have a great community, and I'd like to thank a great true crime podcast. Episodes drop every Friday, where you can enjoy 30 minutes of extensive detail and research. You can listen to Serial Napper on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And on that note, (laughs) this week's podcast plug is the Serial Napper podcast from the Awesome Network. Serial Napper is an international true crime podcast hosted by Canadian Nikki Young. Each episode features a different true crime story told succinctly the way it happened with a focus on unsolved crimes that need more attention and supporting victims and their families. Nice. And we will have a link to her show in the show notes. Awesome. So on that note, what is something good you'd like to share? Hmm. We have my future stepdaughter in the house this weekend and we are having lots of fun doing crafting and stuff she picked out more things in her room in our new place and one of the things we bought was so she has a snorlax bed which is essentially like this giant bean bag full mm-hmm. of, but instead of like beans it's just you know polyfoam mm-hmm. but we got astroturf for him to be on mm-hmm. and it's like a different texture in her room and so that was really cool she got to pick it out and 
she's building her own like rotating bookshelf and we have lights that will change colors and stuff so it's just been really fun to kind of watch her have independence and kind of pick her own things Mm -hmm. because she's a super cool kid so that's my good thing she's just like never not super excited right now so that's cool yeah how about you what's one good thing my good thing is I'm going to share what happened at my girls' weekend. Because on our last episode, I mentioned the girls' weekend. Mm -hmm. But when the episode came out, I was gone. Yep. Experiencing the girls' weekend. You were experiencing, you were in the girls' weekend. Yes. Live. So it started off a little rocky when Spirit Airlines could not find my tickets. When I got to the airport. Terrifying. And then they were like, here they are. I had to go like speak to an agent because Uh I I couldn't check in on the app or on the website (sighs) or in the kiosk. So I had to go up there and I was like, please help prevent me having a heart attack by telling me that you can find my tickets. And she was like, yep, they're right here. And I was like, cool, 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 cool. Outside of that, we had a lot of fun. We did an escape room which was based off of an urban legend there in erie of nice an axe murdering farmer who apparently killed his wife and they do be doing that with axes people with axes they do be killing their wives (laughs) they do be killing their wives in a farmhouse (laughs) yep we did not pass the escape room but a for effort it was our first time doing an escape room, like for all of us. Yeah. So I was like impressed with how far we got, all things considered. That's awesome. And part of it involved using Morse code. And you know how much I love Morse code. So I was you like, do. oh my God. I got this. That was my favorite part, was the Morse code. <laughs> <laughs> we went and got matching Mothman tattoos. Mm-hmm. And we went to Hillview Manor which is a haunted poor workers farm. Like people used to go there to like work for room and board basically. Mm-hmm. And it eventually became a senior living facility slash hospital. Like they had tuberculosis wings okay. or wards. And it originally when it was bought, because apparently this hospital ran from like 1916 through 2004. Dang. Which is horrifying. Yeah, probably not great. (laughs) And so someone bought it with the intention of turning it into condos because it's a really beautiful building, like this beautiful Mm -hmm. brick building. And then some people came in and stole $105,000 worth of copper. Oh, no. They just stripped it? They stripped it. Oh, my God. So. That's horrific. That's like the number one fear of people buying houses sight unseen if you can't tour it. mm -hmm. Is that the previous, like, that? that's a risk. Yeah. So. Oh, my God. The woman who bought it, she died shortly after. So her children inherited it. And they were like, well, we, we're not spending that kind of money to fix this place up. So they're like, well, mm-hmm. what are we going to do with it? A local paranormal <laughs> society reached out to them and was like, would you mind if we conducted like 
a few investigations here, like for a few nights. Right. And they were, and they were like, sure, why not? You know, and they experienced tons of activity. I bet. So then I can't remember if the paranormal society, like the, if they purchased the property or if they are renting the space from the current owners to be able to conduct investigations there. I can't remember. Yeah. So we went for a guided tour. We went at three o'clock in the afternoon because I was like, we're not doing it at night. I will, <laughs> I will piss myself. I will cry. We did like an hour and a half long tour and then we had an hour and a half to explore on our own. Mm. And during the tour, we went into this area where it's apparently home to two spirits. Isabella is one of them and she's the most vocal and she communicates with the lights. Mm. And while we were there, she was having an intelligent conversation with the guide, with the lights. Don't like that. I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> and then there were certain rooms that felt a little off. At one point, I can't remember if it was on the third or the second floor, my whole left arm started to hurt as if somebody had yanked on it very hard. Oh. Like my whole arm. And it hurt for a long time. And then we went into the chapel, which is on one of the lower floors. And when we were in there and like, the guide was like talking and stuff, I felt like somebody was holding my hand. Ew. My left hand. And I was like, okay, this is happening. Like I, <laughs> I just kind of like let it happen. And I like called Emily over because she was on the other side of the room. And I just mm -hmm. whispered to her. I was like, I feel like somebody's holding my hand. <laughs> And she was, like, giving me, like, the big eyes. And mm -hmm. as we were leaving, there was this mother and, like, teenage daughter who were also doing the tour. And she yeah. overheard the mother saying that she felt like something was holding her left arm. So yes. we both had experienced the same sensation. And when we were doing our investigation, like our solo investigation, the pain in my arm would come and go during the investigation. Yeah. I don't know what was doing it, but something was because part of me was like, because it's not heated. It's it's a mm -hmm. open space and it's it was cold there in Erie because it had just snowed. So we're all like, you know, layered up. Mm -hmm. Part of me was like, maybe it's just the cold weather affecting my right. My joints, you know, because mm -hmm. I'm a million years old. But the fact that it would come and go, I was like, that's not don't like that. That's not a thing. <laughs> So that happened. And yeah, it was a really fun trip. We're actually planning another one. They're going to come here oh. in the fall. So I'm okay. very excited. I'm trying to put together an itinerary already of things that we can do. Are you going to go to the, the one in Duluth, the haunted asylum? Possibly. And mm -hmm. I was thinking, because if they're coming in the fall, we could do the Ren Fair because they seem mm -hmm. down for doing that. And then we could hit up the the Yellow Barn candy store. Yep, Minnesota's largest candy store. There's like a bunch of cool things we can do. So nice. So that was my good thing as my girls weekend. It was really fun. That's awesome. All right, shall we? Mm-hmm. Looking for more content? You can find us online at yieldcrimepodcast.com. If you'd like to see pictures from this week's episode, not to mention bonus content and funny memes, make sure to follow us on Twitter at Yield Crime Pod, 
and on Facebook and Instagram at Yield Crime Podcast. On TikTok, of course you are. Follow us at Yield Crime Podcast. A great way to support the show, if you can't do so financially, is to leave a five-star rating and review. You can do so on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, Good Pods, or wherever you can leave a rating and review. This week's comes from our friend Cindy over at the Crime Diner, and she says, interesting, five stars. Oh, this is on Apple Podcasts. And she says, love that the cases are much older and sometimes not so well known. They also have episodes with interesting guests. Interesting, and while the cases may be old, the stories feel new. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Cindy. If you want a playlist of all our episodes on YouTube, click the link in our show notes or in our link tree and subscribe today for not only a list of our full catalog, but a separate list as well, just of our Can You Crack the Cramp Word segments. And on that note, as always, I'm Lindsay. And I'm Madison. And we'll see you next time with another tale. This oldest crime. <laughs>